This week on the show, our pop culture news, and it's the first of our two-part interview with game designer Charlie McCarran about his game, The Four Humors. It is May 2023, and you're listening to Lunchbox Reaction. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Brian, and I'm joined as always this week by my two wonderful co-hosts, Linnea. Yippee! And Evan. Wahoo! All right. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. I'm excited for this week. It's the our only the second interview we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only second interview. It's the only, the only second, second one. Yeah. It will be the only second one. That sounds kind Unless of Unless we have a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have an interview coming up. That was the sort of the uh, special thing I mentioned a few weeks ago. And Linnea made me beep it out because we didn't want to give it away. so yeah we had a wonderful interview i split it into two parts because we don't want our episodes to get too long but uh yeah so that's coming up shortly right after we dive into our pop culture news so who'd like to go first i'll go first so nobody steals mine okay (laughs) the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom is out that's such a basic reference like everyone knows that (laughs) but i'm excited about it i've probably spent at least like maybe 10 hours playing it. I'm pretty sure my Spanish teacher took the day off on Friday just to play it. Really? What makes, what makes you think I that? went to school on, on Thursday and the first thing he said to me is like, I know it seems suspicious that I'm suddenly wearing a mask the day before Tears of the Kingdom comes out. And then he winked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely someone who's... And then, he was, and then he was gone on Friday. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I've I've spent a lot of time playing and I've already beat the tutorial world. I know, Linnea, you have not. I'm I'm pretty far ahead of you. Why are you making a big deal out of that? Because I'm just so proud of myself for spending hours of my life playing this game. I got it on the first day it came out. I'm going to be a lot more thorough than you. I'm going to find every little thing. Yeah, I'm really not. Good. I'm just going to be what I see. I'm going to enjoy the game. <laughs> No, no, you're just, you're gonna do everything. I'm, so I'm gonna be the one who enjoys the game. I'm so I do good at flurry rushes. I'm doing what I want, which is enjoying the game. Okay, Dad, when are you gonna play? Would I have to play the other one first, or doesn't it matter? It doesn't really matter because I haven't even played the first one. I think he should play the first one first. I don't. I don't think it matters that much. I'm I'm too much into other games. You're too <laughs> into Star Trek yeah, Online. I, yeah, my game currently is Star Trek Online. I mean, I could, I could try it out sometime. Is that why you, you might, haven't maybe, finished Stray yet? You might get motion sick, though, <laughs> from all the paragliding. <laughs> you need to finish Stray, too. Yeah, I know. Maybe I should just have you uh, zoom me past that one part. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'll do that anytime you want. Just okay. ask. Okay. Linnea, did you want to go next? Oh, sure. Do, is it okay if I steal yours? Oh. <gasps> Oh, the thing I told you about? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. That's why I told you. Okay. Well, because you don't, you don't think I would have one. <laughs> no, no, because I have some other news. <laughs> okay, okay. So my news that I took from Dad, who told me, is that um, the Nimona movie is coming out in June. Woohoo! Yeah, very exciting. Did you look at some of the the still pictures? Well, I guess there's only really one yeah, new I've one. Yeah, I've only seen that one picture. There was a one that has been out for a while, and then they added a new one. I don't think I've seen the new one. It was just another picture of her, but it looks more, um, I don't know, it looked more cyberpunky. 
Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, I see. I'm excited for it. So for those, you might want to describe Nimona for those who don't know it or remember it. So Nimona is a graphic novel that we reviewed a while ago. It's about like a shapeshifter becomes friends with like a supervillain or some sort. She wants to become the sidekick to the supervillain. And the supervillain agrees. And then they get into a bunch of wacky antics and discover some interesting stuff about Nimona. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Will it be in theaters? No, I think it's gonna it's gonna be on Netflix, isn't it? I thought that's I thought that Netflix bought it. Yeah, I think that because it was being produced by Disney and they they dropped it. Wasn't it being produced by like Blue Sky? Or, well, yeah, it, it was being produced by a independent animator, but I think Disney had rights to it and then they didn't want it. I think it was because they shut down Blue Sky Studios. Yeah, but then Netflix came in and decided they were gonna finish it and show it. Good for them. What's your news, Dad? So my news this week involves a show called Babylon Five, and I don't Ooh. know. Have I? I've. I don't know if I've mentioned it. I, well, you two have probably heard me talk about it. I yeah. Uh, yeah. So Babylon Five is one of my absolute favorite all-time TV shows ever, <laughs> and I've yet to to have you guys watch it with me. I don't know, just because I'm. I don't know if I'm scared or. I want you to be old enough to understand it. I'm going to hate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to hate it. <laughs> this show is terrible. Yeah, so Babylon 5 was a sci-fi show. It came out in 1993, aired for five seasons. And and to me, this show is, is the start of what I think we now call prestige TV because... What's prestige TV? Well, so prestige TV are these shows that that they set out to tell one big story. So, uh, you know, a lot of TV comedies and dramas, they were all just episodic. You know, every week it was a different story. So, you know, like the old Star Trek, you'd have the story of the week. This week we're on this planet. This week we're on this planet. And uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who was the person who created Babylon 5, wanted to tell one complete story over five years. And he fought for it and got it. (laughs) Yay. So... So while the first season does seem a bit episodic, you can start to see that there are seeds being planted, and then as the seasons ramp up, two, three, four, it you you see this overarching story, and all these threads converge. and And of course, the problem was is I think Warner Brothers, the studio that had it, didn't really understand what they had, and they kept threatening to end it, and and so the it was going to end after the fourth season, but then, you know, some last minute campaigns got it, got a fifth season. And a lot of the things had been wrapped up in the fourth season because they weren't sure they were going to get a fifth season. So the fifth season is kind of, you know, it feels a little tacked on in a way, but anyway, other than that, I mean, it's a cool show. I love it. The writing is superb. It won some of the big science fiction awards of the time. Is that that one animated robot? thing or is it no it has nothing to do with animated robot although since you said animation that is actually what i'm going to talk about because it was recently announced that there is going to be an animated movie (laughs) so it's called babylon 5 the road home it has a lot of the original cast back doing voices and they've shown one little still image of the station which looks pretty cool so so he's announced that it's that it's coming it's actually complete 
Uh, so it's not like it's can be canceled at the last minute, like we've always worried about with stuff like this. And I guess in June they're going to announce an actual release date and more details and things like that. But but anyway, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I when I first heard there was going to be an animated movie, I kind of thought, huh, that's kind of an odd choice. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's uh, the first new Babylon Five story we've had in probably over 20 some years now so I'm I'm really excited for it I guess. So anyway, that's my news and I'm I'm hoping you guys will watch it with me and see what you sure. think. <laughs> There's this one Star Wars kids show that I find like really funny just to think about because it takes place like before Order 66. So the kids might <laughs> eventually the Star Wars kids show might have to go through Order 66 and it would be ah uh, <laughs> strange. Yeah, I was talking to my friends about it, and they were like, you know, really, the Star Wars universe isn't that good for kids' shows. <laughs> what was Order 66? Oh, that was when Darth Sidious ordered all the clone troopers to kill all the Jedi. Uh, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, there we go. That's our pop culture news for the week. Now, on to part one of our interview with game designer Charlie McCarran. Woohoo! All right, well, in this segment of the show, we are going to be talking with Charlie McCarran, the game designer of a new game called Four Humors. And, Charlie, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> It's great to have you. You're only the second person we've ever had uh, on as an interview. Cool. Normally, it's just us talking. <laughs> yeah. The last interview we had was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was about a year ago, in fact. <laughs> okay. Who did you have on? Jared Cullum, the author of some fun little watercolor books. Cody. has oh, yeah, a graphic Cody. novel called Cody. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Cool. But anyway, we're here to talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, to to introduce you. So, Charlie, I have known you, or I've been following you since 2013 when you did the Composer Quest podcast. Yes. And yeah, that uh, was... that's how I first discovered you. And so I've kind of been following your career. You you know, you put out a, an album music. You've been doing something called uh, the Film Score Fest, where you team up composers and filmmakers and you do a live action or a, a live performance of movies with, with soundtracks. So when I was following you and I saw you sort of pivot to games, I was wondering, whoa, this is, this is a neat direction. And so I was wondering, have you always been interested in games or, or is this just something that started or you know, how did this come about? Yeah. I mean, it was, I was actually more interested in making video games as a kid. I wanted to make, uh, I started doing little graphing calculator games back in seventh grade. And, um, you know, I would do like pixel by pixel art on my graphing calculator and <laughs> do the code and everything. And then those games, though, it's like if your battery dies, then your game's gone. So <laughs> that, that happened so many times. And I was like, OK, I don't know about this thing. But I. I, uh, yeah, I've loved board games over the years, but really got more into it probably right after 2013, uh, doing Composer Quests. And 
I realized that, hey, I, I guess I could make a board game on my own, and it doesn't require quite as much effort as coding a video game. So it's effort in different ways. Yeah. But yeah, so I just tried it out, started making games, and I had an internship at Fantasy Flight Games where they make a lot of different games for Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all sorts of IPs. And I got to work on a Star Wars card game, which was kind of like amazing for me as uh, someone who didn't really have any experience at the time. But yeah, since then, I've, I've been making games and teaching about game design now at UW Stout. Awesome. Yeah. Evan, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was, just, I was looking at the next couple questions. Well, go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. So The Four Humors was published in 2022. So when did you first get the idea or basic premise of the game? Yeah, I mean, I had that theme in mind for probably, I don't know, five years or so. And I really wanted to make some game about the humors because it's just a weird, quirky thing. They used to think that, you know, your body fluids like bile and blood and phlegm would change your personality if they were imbalanced. And so it's just like a funny concept. And I tried probably like five or six totally different games with that theme in mind, but I never quite got there. And as a game designer, my my tendency is to just completely change the game if it didn't work out and then try something totally new. And I eventually hit on the idea that's currently published, which is a little bit more of like uh, you're placing down secret tokens on scene cards with little villager art. And you're trying to guess what other players are placing down on these, these citizens. And then you reveal them to see who's going to win these little scene cards. So, yeah, it's been a very long process. Some games come to me overnight and it's pretty much ready. Other games take five years. So <laughs> you never know. So did you do a lot of iteration? Like how did the rules change over time and how much playtesting did you do? Yeah, good question. I Once I had the main idea for Four Humors, that's the current version, I probably playtested it a hundred times making minor tweaks and some bigger tweaks. And a lot of it was figuring out um, what the the scoring system should be because sometimes I had it as like, oh, you're moving along a track. Sometimes you're placing down tokens on a map. Sometimes you were doing like a bingo board style thing. And I had all these different versions and it just took a while to figure out what was the most fun and what would be what would look cool on the table too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that that look cool part, that's pretty interesting because <laughs> yeah, you have you have a it's almost like you have a town and then you or not even a town, it's almost like a, a city state. <laughs> and then you have these you have uh, cards along the side where you are filling those and trying to to win and, and then you have up on top you have the sort of the goals you need to win yeah so yeah, yeah it's, I, it's fun to look at <laughs> yeah thanks yeah I, it i always had the idea of doing like 
a big map and then each of the cards is a zoomed in version of that map and one of my biggest inspirations was where is waldo actually <laughs> I, I love the idea of these little scenes and so it's kind of to me like a combo of where's waldo and monty python humor i actually got to do the art direction for the game too not every publisher asks about that because usually when they sign your game they will use their own team but adam's apple games they're a local company here uh adam was like hey i can see you're really passionate about this art style so do you want to help as the art director so i got to do little sketches and then send them to the illustrator who's in china shirley gong and overnight she would come back with a really beautiful cute scene so that was a really fun part we would probably be remiss in not describing your game <laughs> so so when you had to tell people about it and you gave them an, your elevator pitch how would how would you describe your game uh i mean i'm still learning how to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> like i i've talked with different people about it and some people latch on to the idea that it's a bluffing game other people are like, well, no, you're not really bluffing. You're just placing things down and you don't have to talk at all, which is true. But I, I kind of like the idea that you can have a bluffing game where you don't have to like outwardly lie to people. You can kind of just, you know, strategically sort of bluff your way. And the main idea is I'm placing a token down on one of these characters. And I can try to get you to join me and we can work together on that card or we could backstab each other. And because there's so many different placement areas, we could be backstabbing each other in one place and working together in the other. <laughs> um, and so I, I just I haven't really seen games quite like that. It's kind of like you can tell which one of the four humors the person is. Just based on exactly. how they act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And, you know, everyone has an equal chance of drawing each type of potion. But there's the personalities come out for sure, which is what I try to do with my games. I try to make it feel like whatever the theme is. I think for me, the, the biggest thing is when, after I place my potion, I immediately forget what I put there. Yeah. So when it comes around to me again, I'm, I'm thinking, wait, what did I put on that one? Now, do I need to put a melancholic or do I need to? Ah. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't meant, intending it to be a memory game. So, you know, I, I say the house rule is you can peek at your tokens. But yeah, the one challenge with coming up with a interesting new system that hasn't been done before is the problem is, well, there's a lot of weirdness that we didn't think about like oh maybe you know like what if people forget and what do you do with these tokens if they're like someone accidentally played the wrong thing but didn't know that it's tricky <laughs> so when you were looking to play test with people did you always use like the somewhat the same group of people or did you invite new people most of the times it's a combo for me i like playtesting with game designers at the beginning because they'll probably have some good ideas of where the game could go and they'll 
more easily be able to see some of the flaws and point those out at the beginning. But once you get more of your rules set, it's good to try testing with maybe even non-gamers who haven't played things like this before, because then you really get the test of, hey, could someone who has only played Monopoly learn these rules? But I try to get a different group every time to test, unless I'm... Uh, sometimes it's nice to have the same group to see the progression of the game, too. So having a big list of playtesters is always helpful. <laughs> is there a certain spot you go to look for people, or you just say, hey, come over to my house? Or... Yeah, um, there's a couple communities in Minnesota here. Uh, there's, first of all, Protospiel is a big event that happens every January. And that happens throughout the Midwest, actually. And there's also a thing called Unpub, which is very similar, more East Coast. But the idea is everyone, you go there for the weekend and everyone brings their half-finished games. And we have like 50 tables set up probably where you can just uh, play games, learn from other people, meet a bunch of play testers. And that's a great way to get started once you start meeting people there. And then other than that, I think it's just inviting friends too and buying them some pizza when they're playtesting maybe. <laughs> or, you know, actually a lot of people are are open to it. And you just have to prepare them to be like, hey, this might not be any fun, just so you know. So hopefully, because sometimes your games at first are like, so something goes wrong and uh, it, you just have to know when to cut off the playtest and be like, okay, I saw enough. We'll... Well, I need to make some changes, and we'll try again after. What was the publishing process like? Did you look for a publisher, or did a publisher find you? Uh, for Four Humors, I had met Adam at Protospiel, I think. And then like when I had Four Humors ready, he stuck around till the, the last day on Sunday. And he was like, okay, let me try your game. And... He liked it, even though it was like very new and fresh. And I just scribbled a map on with a piece of paper and pencil. But the publishers can usually see through, you know, even if it's got very basic art or no art at all, they can find the potential in a game. But it's, it's not always that easy. Sometimes you have to pitch the game around a lot to different publishers and since COVID, some publishers have been taking meetings online. So that's a big bonus for people not in a big city. You can still pitch to lots of publishers virtually. And you just set up a camera so that it's showing the table. So you could show some of the game components and explain your game that way. One of the best things you can do is just make a playthrough video. Or, sorry, not a full playthrough video, but just, like, showing a little bit, even, like, three minutes or less is, is good. Just how does the game work? And then that combined with a sell sheet, which is telling you how to, uh, how to, a little bit of, like, what the hook of the game is, what's going to get people excited, 
and then showing what the components are and a little bit of the art maybe. So of course we got our copy. Here's our deluxe copy. Nice. Proud to say I, we supported your, you know, we as a podcast supported your Kickstarter. So that was kind of fun. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the Kickstarter process like? So the Kickstarter, Adam and I started it during the pandemic, which was unfortunate that, you know, during that time, it was hard to get together with people and play board games. But on the other hand, a lot of families were stuck at home. So maybe they were looking for board games. <laughs> but either way, we had a little bit of a trick because the shipping situation got really bad. And I, I wasn't in charge of any of that side of it. That's Adam figuring out manufacturing and shipping. But, you know, like the factory was in China. So China had to shut down a lot of stuff. But yeah, the, the Kickstarter itself was really fun. We got to, as you saw, probably we did lots of bonus cards and stretch goals and things. And so we got to do a lot more fun art with our artist. And yeah, it was really amazing. I mean, I've done Kickstarters for like my Composer Quest podcast and other things, but this was another level. And Adam's been doing these Kickstarters for a while. So it was really cool to see it just explode. I mean, I was helping with the process, but it's really nice that having the publisher who can handle all the logistical side. So I'm wondering, is that normal for games now to do a Kickstarter or, or do publishers just publish out of the blue? Like, is that I'm just because I'm wondering, like, is there a percentage or? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it depends on the size of the company. So I'd say any indie game company is generally going to do Kickstarters now. Or GameFound is another site that popped up. But it's just way easier because there's quite a bit of risk involved in making a board game because you have to know, well, should I print like? 10,000 copies or is that too much and uh whereas if, with a video game you could just it's digital so you just have a file up there but making a board game you have to know sort of upfront how many you can sell so kickstarter is the perfect thing for that well 2000 people wanted the game so we'll make 2000 copies and plus some extras for stores if it takes off in stores. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. This is just oh, a quick question that I just thought of. Would you say games are more like a like a bunch of effort from a small group of people or like a giant collaboration from a bunch of different ideas? Ooh, good question. I th I think for board games is more a small group of people making them because like even the smaller board game companies is usually just two to five employees or even less sometimes like adam of adam's apple games mostly just him and he contracts out a few people for art and helping with other random things so yeah on the one hand it's pretty cool actually that you can start a board game company just yourself if you have the time and energy whereas and same thing goes for video game studios i mean you could really make a game all yourself and 
maybe hire someone for the art if you aren't an artist yourself. But then you go to, on the other hand, a company like Fantasy Flight Games, where I interned. And I, I don't know how many full-time employees they had, but it must be close to 40 or 50 people, which is one of the biggest game design studios out there. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the first part of our episode with Charlie McCarran. We hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next week with part two. So stay tuned then. Uh, until then, I've been Brian. I've been Evan. I've been Linnea. And we'll see you all next week at, at the, the lunch, lunch table. table. So long. I'm going to play more Cheers the Kingdom. <laughs>